Hello, and welcome to this episode of Triggered and True, featuring renowned emotional health consultant, Laura Duncan. Thank you for being here, and thank you for investing the time to learn how to take care of your soul. If this podcast sparks any questions, feel free to submit a question by going to triggeredandtrue.com, scrolling to the bottom of the page, and clicking ask. If you would like to learn more about Laura Duncan, we encourage you to follow Laura on Instagram and Facebook. Also, a great resource for you to consider is the Compassion Method Master Course. This course is a deep dive into Laura's life work, the Compassion Method. The Compassion Method is a process that empowers you to learn to see and comfort your internal pain and to discover your true self, your true self, that beautiful, wonderful part of you that has been there all along, but has simply been covered up. To obtain the Master Course, go to CompassionMethod.net and as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount that can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. We hope you enjoy this episode. So hello and welcome everybody to this edition of Triggered and True with myself, Brian Frizey and Laura Duncan. Hello, Laura. How are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah. Happy to be recording. Well, we called a little bit of an audible on our podcast, or I guess I called an audible and then you approved it from the sidelines <laughs> on our podcast today, because we're going to be talking about a topic that we weren't, we weren't necessarily planning on talking about, but something that came up uh, for me in the last week. And I recognized a, a big trigger in this area. And I thought, you know what, that would make a topic, a great topic for a podcast. So Today, we're going to be talking about how to navigate manipulation, narcissism, and gaslighting. Manipulation was my particular trigger. I, I sensed where I was being manipulated in a situation. And then in talking with Laura, she felt that narcissism and gaslighting fit very well into them, which I had to look up their definitions again, because I always forget exactly what they mean. But uh, they are popular buzzwords in culture right now. So... Um, I think it's a really good idea for us to talk about it. So to start off with, Laura, why don't you just give um, your definition of what manipulation is? Um, well, actually, I like you. You came up with an even better <laughs> definition. <laughs> like, I feel like it fits it even more. So, you know. All right. I'll, I'll share <laughs> Send that. it right back at you. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I wrote down that manipulation is a way, and sometimes a very elaborate way, to attempt to comfort pain and get needs met through other people or circumstances. So things that are outside of you, like you're trying to manipulate your environment, you're trying to control your environment, you're trying to control others in a way to try to get, um, you oftentimes don't realize you're doing this. And I think a lot of times people are doing this at a very subconscious level. Survival. And I think we all do it every day. Whether we realize it Definitely or not. Definitely do. Um, We're doing it. And a lot of times it might look prettier and some people's process of manipulating might look more, you know, less pretty, but we're all doing it because we're all trying to get those unmet needs met through our external world. And if we don't feel like we're getting that in an efficient, effective, substantial way, we're going to feel like we need to manipulate our external world in order to be able to get what we need. And that's why I said survival, you know, it's, it's at a survival base instinctual level that we feel like we need to manipulate others because we're starving emotionally. 
So we can villainize manipulation because it's, you know, definitely feels like such a negative word. But if we knew really where it was coming from, manipulation only comes from lack. When people are full, they have no need to manipulate their external worlds because they're internally full. But when I'm empty and lacking, I have to, or I feel like I have to manipulate my external world in order to get what I need. So could you explain the connection between blame and shame manipulation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, really manipulation in a lot of ways is just blame. I blame my outer world that they're not, they, or, you know, it is not giving me what I need. And so I need to do it myself and manipulate a person in order to be able to get what I need from them. But I'm really blaming them that they're not enough for me because I haven't actually faced my internal lack. And so that internal lack is what's motivating it. So I'll continue to blame others and manipulate others in order to be able to get what I need. And then if you talk about shame, shame is believing that whatever lack I have is who I am and or is who the other person is. And so we feel shame because we're not able to give the other person what they perceive they need from us. And then the other person a lot of times feels shame because they're not able to give us what we need because they believe that their lack is who they are. So you have two people that are believing that their lack, personal lack, and then the other person's lack is their identity, is who they were, who they are. And so it's always this deficiency that actually feels like it's our identity. You know, it's interesting, the thinking about shame, in my mind, there's a lot of shame connected to manipulation. So um, in my particular situation, what, what, what was actually happening to me, um, I found myself blaming the manipulator. And, and I recognized that this big epiphany I had is that as I was doing that, and this is true of blame in general. And I think something you shared in the master course intensive that I was a part of the other day really helped too, where you talked about when we vilify or when we blame that just becomes so big and our heart, our actual pain just gets so crowded out because we're so focused on what that other person is doing or so on and so forth. And in my case, I was definitely, you know, mm -hmm. blame, blaming the manipulator, didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. No, it's so much of this is subconscious, you know, we're doing it. I know this intellectually very well and I will subconsciously do it without even realizing it. Cause like I said, it's survival. And I think what you said about shame too, um, and, and kind of the, that word narcissism gaslighting that we'll get to in a little bit. I kind of don't like those words because I, I maybe it's a little bit of a trigger, but I, I feel like, Hey, we're just labeling people's pain. That's all we're doing here is we're yeah. coming up with fancy names and, and, and sometimes these fancy scientific, really educated sounding names just get in the way of actually getting to the real problem. Yeah, they often do. And, and when we talk about shame as identity, you know, those words specifically are words that people say are who a person is, and they actually say they can never come out of it. If you're a narcissist, you will always be a narcissist. That's what the common belief is. And I think, wow, that's so shaming to believe that that is who a person is and that they can never come out of it. So I think they are trigger words for a lot of people because, you know, if that is who I, if, if that's what people think I am, then I'm going to continue to be stuck in it. And then, like you said, 
our pain actually becomes really small and that person becomes 20 feet tall and they're huge comparatively to us actually focusing on our pain. And the the next part of my revelation is that I recognize that this other person was attempting to manipulate me to get needs met and, and comfort pain, but I was doing the same thing because my trigger was I was fawning and fawning. And we might want to explain that again, but that is manipulation. <laughs> so. Yep. Fawning and fawning is the pretty manipulation, you know, like if you're those other labels, then it's the, you're the villain, but fawners are usually are labeled as the helper the victim. or the, the victim. victim. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. They're the victim and they're just trying to make the person okay. And they're trying to do the best they can. And they're giving them everything they can give them, but it's still fawning. And what fawning is, is it's trying to make the other person okay when I'm not okay. Because if that other person's okay, maybe they can love me. Maybe they can give me what I need. And so I'm going to do everything I can. Or maybe then I can, can be okay. okay. Like in my That's case, I'm too. like, you know, and, and being a parent too, especially with kids, it's like, if my kids can just be okay, yeah. then I can be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and that fawning really keeps you separate and disconnected yes. from the very people that you're trying to make okay, because you're really not trying to make them okay. You're trying to make yourself okay. And, and a side benefit of you being okay when they're not okay is that you can actually be there for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can actually connect and you can actually be um, a part of the solution and mm -hmm. not part of the problem. You can help, yeah. you can be a, a conduit for healing. Yep. Yeah. So when we find ourselves kind of like, I, I was in that spot where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being manipulated. Oh my gosh, I'm manipulating. <laughs> so two revelations at one time. <laughs> um, so when we find ourselves in that in that spot, and what's the most important question we can be asking ourselves when we when this awareness become comes? Um, we're gonna want to turn inward. You know, just like with the remote control exercise, we're gonna be want to come inward and say, okay, what inside of me is causing me to need feel the need to manipulate? And being able to go through what are the exact with the remote control exercise, what are the emotions that you're feeling? What are you experiencing in that moment? And really pause that blame, pause the desire to manipulate and come towards yourself because it's something within you that's hurting, that's sad or scared or lonely that's causing you to manipulate your environment. And also what in you is allowing yourself. Yeah, because it really is allowing because we can blame and blame all day long and we can have valid reasons and justified reasons to blame. But why are we allowing that to happen? Yeah, you can't yeah. be the you can't be a victim unless you are agreeing with your, your your villain in your story. You know, victims are as much a part of it as the villain. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of hard to hear. It is. It's really hard, you know, because we always want to, you know, go for the underdog, go for the victim. You know, they're the good person and the villain's the bad person, but there wouldn't be a villain without a victim. Yeah. So like in my, in my situation, um, definitely if this goes on for long enough, it can breed resentment. It can breed different things. And I think in my situation, my, my real revelation was, um, this has nothing to do with them. I mean, you've said this so many times and it's like, how many times do I got to hear it? 
but it really doesn't. We still have to, because our brain wants to make cases against other people that this is the one time that it really has to do with the other person because of how bad they are, how big their emotions are, or how wrong what they're doing is. How justifiable. Yeah. And when it's justifiable, we love that. I, mean, I love that type of blame. If I can justify that you're the villain, then it makes me feel relieved to be able to be the victim. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to face my pain. I can blame it all on you. And I don't have to face my pain because all of us as humans are avoidant of our pain. So much easier to blame the other person, especially when it's justified. And I, and I hope people kind of see like all these things keep coming together. I mean, shame and blame, the root of so many things, all of it really. And then and then the other thing that really comes together with manipulation is codependence because it's what you just described. Yes, I can't be exactly. okay unless the circumstance is different. So I got to manipulate the circumstance to make it in my favor so that I can be okay or the person. Mm-hmm. This person needs to do what I'm telling them to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I can't be okay. Yep. As soon as they're good, I think I'm going to be good. But the thing about it is, we're still stuck with whatever wound we already. Well, it's had temporary, in the and it's so temporary, very so temporary. Yes, so because even if somebody acknowledges that they're wrong and manipulating or in narcissism behavior, or they're gaslighting. They admit, "I am doing this." It's going to come back up again. If it's not with that person, it'll come back up with another person, because it's what we're believing to be true. It's not about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Or doing. So the secret then to resisting being manipulated or manipulating others is to what? So when I'm okay within myself, my definition of being okay is clear-minded, tender-hearted, at peace. And when the other person does or says things that you know are wrong, have big reactions, are hurtful, it's only going to hurt to the degree that I'm not okay. When I'm okay, it doesn't hurt the same way. It doesn't have the same charge to it. It doesn't feel like it gets inside. Is it still okay? I mean, of course it's not okay for people to treat people badly and to have bad behavior. We know that. And that's not what we're talking about here. You know, we can talk, we can have conversations, we communicate and say, I don't want to be treated that way. There's a big difference of when I'm okay I can say, I don't like that behavior, but it's not high stakes. It's not all or nothing. It's not this capital H hurt that you're hurting me and you need to stop. I'm okay. Even if you continue to manipulate me, I'm okay. Because I'm okay internally versus trying to get you to stop for me to be okay. And it's such a powerful position. And it's hard for people when it's justifiable like we've, we've talked about this in the past, but it's hard for people when it's justifiable to say, you think, you know, I've had people say, you so you think it's okay if they just, you know, say those things to me and they keep telling me that I'm, you know, X, Y, or Z, and you think that's okay. And I'm always saying, no, that behavior is not okay. And we can all agree the behavior is not okay, but that person may or may not ever change their behavior. Can you be okay within yourself regardless if they're able to change their behavior. And it's such a powerful place to be in to say, I'm okay, even if your behavior is not okay. And I don't need your behavior to change for me to be okay. Well, and I think when I, in my situation, when I shifted the focus, 
I very quickly, it actually, I actually got more curious. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder why. Yeah. What's going on inside of them? Exactly. That, and yes. And I'm curious and I'm like, and I can see their pain. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is we come back into our true self. We're okay. We're clear-minded. We're tender-hearted. We're at peace, which leads to, just like you said, naturally leads to curiosity. When we're curious, we're no longer triggered. Now I'm curious with that person. And now instead of them being a 20 foot tall villain, they look more like a five-year-old that's throwing a fit, that's hurting, that's scared. And that power of manipulation decreases dramatically because now I see they're just in pain. They just have an unmet need. And that doesn't excuse their behavior, but if we understand where the behavior comes from, changes how we respond to the behavior. Mm-hmm. If your child is screaming because they're starving and they haven't eaten and we feed them, we don't look at them as this horrible child. We look at them as hungry, their blood sugar's low, and they're having a reaction to it. We're going to nurture and care for them because they're hungry. It's kind of just societal. It just keeps coming coming to me how we don't know how to handle, treat, uh, identify emotional pain. So we we do all these other things besides actually comfort it. You know, like if someone was, like you said, bleeding, yeah, people are going to come and attend to them. But so many people are bleeding, you know, metaphorically in, in their in their heart, their heart's bleeding, and they just, nobody knows what to do. They avoid it. And maybe that's just me. Maybe it was just me that was that clueless. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think a lot of people are because it's so hard to see ourselves. It's so much I think I was exceptionally clueless though. I think I was exceptionally <laughs> clueless because sometimes sometimes that is the case where you're just not aware of it at all because you never were taught. No, it was just so foreign. It was like mm-hmm. yeah, like you talk about learning a new language. It was like uh, I've never been exposed to Chinese before in my life language. And now all of a sudden I'm immersed in it. Like you need to start Mm -hmm. speaking it. And I'm like, I have no idea how about any of this. Yeah. One thought I just had was about shame because we brought that up before. And um, one part of shame is um, we, our identity is our behavior, but another part of shame is the knowledge of good and evil, good and bad, right and wrong. And whenever we get triggered, one of our knee jerk reactions is to judge and label who's right or wrong, because it makes us feel safe. Because if I can determine that you're wrong, then I can feel safe in this moment. But if I don't have the comfort of who's, and if I can determine also that I'm good and you're bad, it creates a safety. But again, just like you're saying, we're avoiding the pain by medicating and finding comfort in who's good and who's bad in the situation. Yeah. And when we're overly triggered, we're always oversimplifying good, bad, binary. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, when the reality is it's everything in yeah. between. Yep, exactly. <laughs> there is no just one like that's good with, and there's nope. no one that's just bad. It's just good and bad are just constructs. Exactly. So usually people would say the victim is good and the villain is bad. But like how you said, when you shared how, when you recognize that you were manipulating you were doing it through Fani. We're all the victim and the villain, like all the time. Exactly. I know. But we want to, because of shame, we want to say, 
I'm good and you're bad. And if you're bad and I'm good, I never have to face my own pain. So it's kind of like our brain's way of trying to sort it out like real quick, mm-hmm. yep. do triage real quick in the moment. But when we're triggered, yeah. we can't think mm-hmm. logically or more sophisticatedly. So something has to be very simple, black, white. Exactly. And remember how we've talked about the shame um, high of being good. Mm-hmm. It feels so good. It, it like medicates and takes care of us to feel so good. I'm the good one. I'm the victim. I'm the one that's being hurt here. And that person is wrong. So now I'm finally going to get the love, the understanding, the nurture, because I'm good. And it's this high that we get in the moment that always has to be in parallel to like, think about it this way. The high I feel of being good is going to make that villain even more powerful to be able to have that feeling of being good. And so, because again, like I said, there can't be a villain if there's not a victim. Hmm. So when I feel so good about being the victim and I feel, and you're the villain, it makes me feel better about myself. The other thing I recognized with the, with the fawning and my attempts at manipulating circumstances or people through that, that how counterproductive that is and how contrary it is to love. Because really, it's all about me. Yep. It's like, Even though oh, it looks I look like, like I'm doing the other these, person. I, I'm doing this helpful thing for this other person, but my heart ain't in it. I'm going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the first time I did ballroom dance lessons. Yeah. <laughs> the lady just so called me out. She's like, she didn't do it in a very kind, loving way either, but she so called me out because she could just feel like you're just going through the motions. I'm like, I this is really hard for me. <laughs> This is a million miles out of my comfort zone. But um, but I recognize that when when your heart is full, whenever you do something for someone else, it'll be for love's yeah. sake. Exactly. It'll not and, be for any yeah. other reason. And yep. love is never self-seeking. Mm-mm, no. Think about the love chapter in the Bible. You know, love is patient, love is kind, and that comes from the fullness of who I am. But if I'm frantically fawning, that's not real love. That's self-protecting. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, ultimately self-sabotaging, even though it looks like it's helping me, it's sabotaging me from true intimacy and true connection because my primary goal is to be okay. My primary goal is not for connection. Kind of along with that, just this other like revelation of, and I've always known this, but it just so hit me recently, like my, how unbelievably selfish I become when I'm hurting. Like the whole world becomes all about me. All I see is me and like my pain, even though I'm not, even though in the past I didn't have a way to address it, but it just became all about me. So, and I think the bigger the trigger, you know, even the more selfish I become. And this isn't meant as anybody else thinks about this, this isn't meant to be shaming it's it's understandable because your body's like screaming, please. And we're your heart's all screaming. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's really just meant to bring awareness and just kind of continuing with so many of the themes we talk about. The most actually, the most un, a byproduct is that the most unselfish thing I can do for anybody else is take care of my own pain. Mm-hmm. 
That is the most unselfish. And that's a byproduct. That's not why I'm doing it for them. No, yeah. But it's a byproduct is Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I stopped being so dang selfish. (laughs) Yep. And that conditional love, pain, uh, unmet need, uncomforted pain will always be selfish. And we'll always try to get that need met from another person. But when I take care of that pain, I take care of that need. I'm now able to show unconditional love for the most villainous behaviors, because I see who the person is separate from what they're doing, what they do when someone manipulates that matters. When someone gaslights that matters. When someone is narcissistic, selfish, that matters, but that person matters more just like I matter more, but until I'm able to take care of myself, I'll never be able to see that who a person is and what they do are two different things. We will always see a person for what they do and show conditional love until we've actually taken care of our pain, which causes us to be able to see a person for who they are, not what they do. Yeah. And I think that is, that is where, you know, the words, and I think and I think if if anybody uh, listening, I think just one like take home would be like when you hear those words being thrown around, which are common right now, narcissism, gaslighting, you know, just let that kind of be a little reminder that that it's not really what it's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, when, what yeah. are you really feeling about those words? Yeah. What's really behind that? What's yeah, when you see someone being that selfish, when you see that happening yeah. or you see somebody manipulating. I had to look up what gaslighting meant. So gaslighting for anybody else that needs to know what this means. I hear it all the time. I'm like, what does that really mean? It means to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. So you make them, make them feel they're crazy, but we just talked about no one has that power. Nobody has that power. And, and I'm, you know, in early childhood development, if a caregiver Mm. gaslighted you when your your brain is forming and you're discovering who you are that is definitely going to have an impact on you because zero to 12 years old we need mommies and daddies to show us who we are not undermine who we are by causing us to question ourselves and question what we believe and think about ourselves so yes that would be very painful in early childhood development and that's something that we'd want to go back to just like the 10 gifts and help comfort and care and bring in people that can help solidify who we are. But once that's solidified, it's, it was just for, for example, if I said to you, Brian, I said, you're stupid. You're only going to believe it to the degree that you already believe it within you. Mm-hmm. So if you grew up in a home that parents either said or made you feel stupid, when I say you're stupid, you're going to agree with me. Or say you had learning disabilities. And there was pain connected to it. When I say you're stupid, it's going to connect back to that pain of the learning disabilities or, the, or, our, or the, when we didn't feel like we were smart. But if we go back, we bring the 10 gifts, we bring nurture and care and love into those wounds of feeling stupid. And you recognize who you really are, that even if your brain processes differently, you're smart, you can figure it out. There's help. There's resources, there's beauty in it, even if your brain works differently and you feel safe and secure in your mental intellect. And someone comes up to you and says, you're stupid. You won't believe them. 
So gaslighting is only as powerful as our lack or our pain, because I would never believe I was stupid. If you told me you're stupid, I wouldn't believe you. You can't gaslight me because I know that I know that I'm smart. And so recognizing that the power is only because I don't believe it to be true for myself. So if you're listening to this and you've experienced gaslighting, go back to some of those roots, strengthen, fill up, get comfort so that when people say things, you won't believe them. And that's the most powerful position. Instead of trying to stop what they're saying, take care of your internal world so you don't believe what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's bothering you, that's a, that's a beacon. It is. It's a war- yeah. Warning light. Yep. And again, do I, do I think that's good behavior? Of course not. That's not, un- that's not kind to tell somebody mm-hmm. that they're stupid. So I'm not saying gaslighting is by any means a helpful, you know, a good way to do things. I'm just saying we can be more powerful than it by knowing what we believe to be true within ourselves. And as, and as that healing comes, we can truly get to a place where we can say this and mean it. We can say, exactly. thank, you. Th- thank you, trigger. Mm-hmm. Thank no, you, really trigger. Though. And you'll thank pay- you, gaslighter. Yeah. Uh, okay. It sounds really bad. And I'm not minimizing the pain that I know that people have experienced from that, especially early childhood development, but throughout our lives. So I'm not minimizing the pain, but how powerful is that? That what people previously said to you that could cause you to swirl, second guess yourself, question everything, cause you to go into depression, anxiety, cause the franticness inside of you because of what they're saying and what they're making you believe to be true. And you're just in this swirl. Imagine someone, that same person or another person coming up and gaslighting you, saying the same things, and you're clear-minded, you're tenderhearted, you're at peace. What an extraordinary way to be able to um, actually fight against it by being able to be okay within yourself because then it has no power. The power literally is gone from it. And now it's just like wah, 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 wah. And one of the byproducts is curiosity, like you said, but even laughing about it because it feels so ridiculous for someone to say you're stupid because it's, you know that you know that you know that that's not true. So you don't, it would be like me saying to you, you're a woman, you you don't believe you're a woman. And so would not hit in the same way. Yeah. I think of, uh, you know, there's some people that seem to, you know, and they, and they use that adage, they have thick skin, like things that people say, or they get hurt and it just doesn't seem to bother them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, thick skin is not what we want because that just means that they're really good at defending, hiding, Mm -hmm not letting it visually show that it bothers them mm-hmm. or letting it's it roll off as best they can. mechanism. Yeah. yeah. What we really want is a heart that's full. So we want yeah. a soft heart, a tender yeah. heart, a heart that's full that yeah. uh, when one of these things comes to land, the heart's like, oh, we're, we're full up. We don't have any mm-hmm. room for that. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of times when people are experiencing people manipulating them in whatever form, most people tell people you need to have better boundaries. You need to stand up to them. You need to fight against them. You need to become like them. You know, whatever it is, the advice that's being given is creating thick skin. It's saying you create a defense system that will protect you from their behavior versus creating a full system of I'm so full of knowing who I am. I'm so full of love that it doesn't 
it doesn't hit the same way. It doesn't hurt in the same way. Well, and that, that really is a nice segue into, you know, the compassion method in general, you know, it, it starts out defensive when you're working with someone, you're obviously, they're hurting, you, you are in more of a defensive position, but it, it evolves into that. This is an, this is really an offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is not a defensive weapon. Nope. This is an offensive weapon. And as we, as we learn to do this, um, I'm challenging myself to engage with the 10 gifts, the remote control exercise, even when I'm not triggered. Yeah. You know, not waiting for, you know, the warning lights to just be flashing or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, I'm trying to yeah. spend time with it prior to, you know, and just kind of looking at the 10 gifts and just recognizing what am I, what do I still lack? I don't have to wait for the pain to come. I mean, I can stare at the words and I can be like, ah, I can, I can, you know, you can, I don't have to wait for it to. I agree. Like, I agree. The more we are offensive, the more we're, we're filling up, even before we get to a triggered place, it, it sets us up to be able to be more cognitive and more in our adult brain because we have more of what we need ahead of time. And I really, and kind of to sum up today, I really think that that's a great place to kind of conclude is the compassion method simplicity. So, so much, everything we talked about today, you know, like I said, you use, you use these fancy buzzwords, but really it's at the end of the day, it's, it's all about pain and unmet need. Mm -hmm. Yep. These, these things, these people that are acting in these behaviors wouldn't be doing that if they didn't have pain and unmet need, because that's not who yeah. they were created to be. And, and we wouldn't be a victim to it if we didn't have nope. pain around that name. And it wouldn't land. Well, what they're doing wouldn't land if we didn't have that as well. So what I like about the compassion method is it's simplicity and you don't need, I mean, I remember like the first workshop I went to, you gave me something I could take home, which was the remote control exercise. And I'm like, I don't need hundreds of hours of counseling. I don't need to read a psychology book. I can start doing this today. You know, and I did, and I just like, I can start doing this today. And that was, that was like, you know, so hopeful. And I so think that's you, the beauty, so on the a beauty of it. Yeah, exactly. On a practical level, because we always like to come back to the practicalness or I know I do, I know we both do. Um, on a practical level, I challenge you and those that are listening to find um, the villain in your story or the thing that's been said to you, you know, that you whatever way that you've manipulated or someone's manipulated you find that one thing. I use the example of someone saying you're stupid or making you feel stupid, but you could pick any, you know, thing and focus on that and do the remote control exercise with it and go back to your child self and bring the gifts and bring comfort. And you might have to do it a couple of times because it's probably a sensitive spot. If you've been believing it your whole life to be true, but focus on that, do it as an experiment. Does an experiment to see if I properly comfort and meet my needs, will those words still have the same power that they did today? And I promise you, even if it's not a hundred percent gone, it's going to relieve the pressure of those words. It's going to relieve the power of those words. It's going to start dec to decrease either the need for me to manipulate others or for me to be a victim of someone else's manipulation works both ways. If you believe you're the manipulator, walk through that. 
why do you have the need to call someone stupid? What inside of you is causing you to say those things, to hurt other people, to gaslight other people? Go through the remote control exercise. Why do I say the things I say? What's going on within me? And it goes both ways. If you believe you're the villain of what we've talked about today, or you believe you're the victim of what we've talked about today, you both need to do the remote control exercise to be able to see what's going on inside of you, to be able to take care of that pain and unmet need. And part of the offensiveness is to think back to if you were any of these things happened to you and somebody hurt you, think back to that happening. And even at first, just in doses, put yourself back in that situation, put yourself back in that feeling of how you felt when that happened. And like I said, at first it'll have to just be doses, but you can put yourself back because that's how you can let yourself feel. Because then once you let yourself feel, then the pain's surfaced, it's there. Now it can be comforted. And then we can let go. And those words no longer have the same powerful, whether to deliver those words or to receive those words, they both lose their power. And I even, and Laura, I don't know if I got this from you or if I just made it up and maybe I made it up. <laughs> so if you don't like this, you know, we can, <laughs> we can edit it out, but it was, um, I almost think like it's good and I don't get like this regimented about it, but like, if there's something that's really, really painful that's happened, even if you just almost set a timer, like I'm going to go there for three minutes, two minutes. Okay. And I'm going to pause everything else. I'm going to go there. I'm going to let myself feel that feeling and I'm going to even put a limit on it and, and then just slowly build up. Yeah. Because that's a heck of a lot better than what most of us do, which is just ignore mm-hmm. it. Yep. Ignore, a- ignore, ignore, ignore. <laughs> Exactly. I think that's a great idea to do. It kind of reminds me of like, sometimes if you have a big project to do, like if you're going to like clean your garage, but you just can't get motivated to do it. If you set a timer for 10 minutes and you started working, then it would start allowing you to be able to keep doing it. You know, so it's kind of the same thing. It's whatever we're avoiding, whether it's pain or anything, if we can even bit by bit, be able to face it, it's not going to feel so big like it once did. And usually what we're going to find behind that really big feeling we've been avoiding is just those tender emotions we've talked about before. We're really just sad or scared or lonely or a combination of it. And those tender emotions is what's causing us to avoid facing that pain. So small increments of time will allow us to be able to face the, the, how big those feelings of pain feel. You know, and, and the, the goal is not to not feel anything, but I, I think what, en- what ends up happening is at first it's, you know, it's a level 10, 10 plus pain. It's like astronomical, but as that pain scale comes down, something really strange happens where it, it goes from being this horrible, horrible, hideous thing to being something that's like almost precious. And that's, that's where I know like, okay, now it's falling down to around five and lower because five and lower to me is kind of like in my mind where that's where it becomes precious. And the precious part of it is, is because I can see, I see like the little me more. I see the tenderness. I see the purity. I see the innocence and the compassion is just so strong. You know, I wish this happened like all the time, but. 
<laughs> I know. It, it, it's, 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 uh, it's not work, everybody. It's what's the word you call it? Um, an adventure, uh, discovery. Uh, yeah, it's an opportunity. An it's opportunity. something you get to do. Mm-hmm. Not something you have to do. Something well, you it get is. to do. Yep. It's hard at first, but then once we make that connection with the more tender side of ourselves, it's such a privilege to be in that space. And folks, at first, the first one is 10 plus, it is work. <laughs> it just it is. is. It, it is. Just it's is like work. going against a current and you're trying to go against the current. And it is very difficult in the beginning until we start to create brain patterns and neural pathways that allow us to know that this is leading to life and to comfort and love, not to more death, more suffering, more pain. Right. Right. Well, this is this is a great place for us to land today. So thank you everyone for taking the time to listen. And Laura, thank you for sharing all this wonderful wisdom with, yeah, I feel like I, I had a session. I feel like I just had a session. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, and just to wrap everything up, I know these can be very sensitive topics to people. And I just want all of you to hear that I'm not saying the things that I'm saying because I'm, you know, minimizing the pain you've experienced from words that have been spoken to you. You're saying it because you're mean. To you. You're saying <laughs> just it because you're mean. mean. I'm just trying and you're to cold say. hearted and you just want to let tell people how it is. <laughs> exactly. How did you know? No, but really, I know that it is very painful, but this is actually the most powerful thing that I can give to you is not blaming the villains in your life, but empowering you to be who you are in the midst of those circumstances and those experiences. Yeah. You're, you're presenting a true solution. Yeah. Because if we just, if I agree with you and just say, yeah, they're horrible. I ignore your pain. I ignore helping you because we're so busy blaming someone or something else. And you're probably just fawning because you know, to tell the truth is going to be really hard (laughs) because there could be a big reaction coming your way. (laughs) That's true too. And I do fawn sometimes. So yes, there's probably a little bit of that in there too, but mostly love and compassion. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I was saying if you didn't tell them. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, right. No, no. I was saying if you didn't tell people. You know, there's always a little bit of that in there because, you know, you don't want to hurt people. You want people to be okay. But sometimes it has to surface. Even being triggered by this podcast is actually good for us because then we can take care of what's going on. So if this did trigger you and you have a lot of big feelings after listening to this, such an opportunity to go back and do the remote control exercise even about this podcast. Well, thank you again, Laura. And reminder to our listeners, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions or even testimonies, feel free to go to our landing page and and click the link at the bottom and share that with us. So hope everyone has a great day and thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Triggered and True. We hope that you enjoyed it. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, go to triggeredandtrue.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click ask. And if you would like to learn more about the Compassion Method, be sure to check out the Compassion Method Master Course, which can be purchased at CompassionMethod.net. And as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount, which can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. Thank you again. Goodbye.